What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast presented by House Enterprise. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with the Lazy Eye here connecting with incredible people who have unbelievable stories to tell. Today's guest might be one of the smartest individuals we have had on this show. We've had some pretty smart people. Andrew Murnane joins today's podcast. He is a content creator, podcast host, and just overall genius. He played Division One baseball at the University of Penn, and he caught my eye through his TikToks and some of the to- the topics that he talks about. Um, very eye opening. I know I say that a lot on the show, but it really made you think. And and if you walk away from this interview, I hope you really have to think about a lot of things after after listening to this. Andrew brings up some incredible topics that we talk about that really changes your perspective on on how you view things. It might not change your thoughts. It might not change your viewpoint, but it definitely opens your perspective a little bit. So without further ado, I'm very, very, very excited to introduce a new friend of mine, Andrew Murnane. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, everyone, on today's episode, we have maybe one of the smartest individuals we've had on this show. Andrew Murnane joins the program. Andrew is a content creator, Wharton graduate. You can find him on TikTok talking about some very important and interesting topics, most of which we'll, we'll talk about today. I found this guy watching my a former guest in front of the program, Tim Chiasano's video of Andrew going over for dinner. And I was like, hey, you know what? I want to have a chat with Andrew, too. So, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on, man. How are you? Doing great. Yeah, Jared. And it's Jared, correct? Yes, you nailed okay. it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah do, Jared, doing really well. It gets, it gets, it gets, uh, it gets all of them. I get all of them all the time. And yes, the last name is magazine. It, it, uh, a lot of people are very confused by that as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. I love it. It's very unique. That's awesome. Very unique. Um, <laughs> but you. yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the overly kind intro. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't hear many people bring up school, um, in this sort of, realm but yeah and something i don't even think about that that often but it's funny that you found me through tim as well i i, I love him. i was gonna say like i fucking love that dude but no, um, <laughs> yeah. i know i know you said you don't curse but i'll yeah i'll, I, I'll be I, uh i feel be equally <laughs> as, as no i feel equally as the same for you yeah. as, as you do i tim is an incredible individual i was so excited when he joined the show and and I just, the guy's content is some of the best on TikTok and some of the, just the best period. And I, I, he's just a marvel to, to get a conversation with. Yeah. He's, he's the man. I, I love that dude. And I was so <laughs> happy that I was able to meet him in person and, and touch base. Cause we don't live too far away. He lives in Brooklyn. I live in uh, downtown Manhattan. So mm. um, yeah, close enough that figured yeah we, we actually met before then once uh in his office he works in midtown and we we had just connected through tiktok and we we're like hey why don't we i forget who initiated it but mm. yeah I, I met him in his office and and yeah and then he was like gave me an open invite for dinner i had a free weekend i was like hey you still got that open invite and he was like absolutely we got we got sushi night and i was like oh, count me in awesome right. awesome how is the office as cool as it looks in person yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's one of the coolest offices I've ever seen. Like it's so just like stocked to the brim with everything that expresses his unique personality in that way. It's he's been there for a little while, so he's yeah. been able to kind of make it his own. And and yeah, it is it is very, very cool. I remember when he was on the show, real quick, just a last story about Tim here. When he was on the show, like his his video is so far away. It basically gives you like his the whole like at least a 180 view of like his office and it and I was just like trying to focus on the interview but then like also being like oh he's got that back there he's got this like you know all that stuff I was like blown away and he pulled out his like protein bar bowl and everything it was so funny (laughs) yeah he's got quite the setup in there it's cool seeing like just how many different angles he gets he's really got like this whole cinematography and you know we don't have to spend the whole whole uh podcast episode just praising tim but he he deserves it for sure absolutely so i i know you're in new york city now but you're also a big utah goer um have you been skiing a lot in utah i just i i was there for the holidays my parents live out in um sandy utah so are you a big utah fan yeah 
love Utah. So backstory on that, like my parents have, have a house there. Um, mm. so I'm able to spend some time there and growing up, uh, I grew up in Minnesota actually, yeah. um, outside Minneapolis. My, my parents are East coast people grew up in New York and New Jersey. We're living in Boston when I was born, moved out there. My dad just got a job outside Minneapolis, like right after I was born. So that's where I grew up and growing up, uh, my parents love skiing also. So every winter break, almost every winter break, um, we would, pick a different location to do a family ski trip and yeah and they just loved park city utah so much that um i think my dad he got the property like kind of in the midst of the uh financial crash like so yeah properties were super cheap back then right. especially that area it wasn't super built out the way it is now um right. and then yeah and then it's some point they decided to build a house and so yeah i'm, I'm very grateful that i that i have that, that awesome. to go out to because it's I, a lot of fun out there i was gonna say he could probably sell that house in 24 hours <laughs> like that nowadays in park city those houses are flying off the market everyone loves utah and it's it's just crazy but i i i love it too it's not originally where i grew up but it, it is a it is a beautiful place and kind of just going off this i did want to give you know this is a boston-based podcast you were born just outside of boston in, in like newton right and then turned and grew up in Minnesota. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in the Murnane household, maybe like the pre-high school years? What was life like in the Murnane household? Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, so it's funny because I talk a lot about like going through social anxiety and it was never even something that was noticeable, I think, to my family. Mm -hmm. It's just so internalized and something that just manifested at school, like as me being very quiet, but at home, you know, we had... I, I can't say enough about how grateful I am to my parents and I have a little brother and sister that I love very much. And we just had a lot of love in our house. I grew up uh, playing a lot of sports. I played uh, football, hockey, and baseball in high school. But then before then I pretty much played everything. And then I ended up playing uh, baseball in college. Um, so yeah, very sports focused, like very busy family. We all played sports. Um, all saw friends a lot and just kind of a I don't know I don't want to say typical or, or classic suburban upbringing but right. <laughs> you, know, you, you probably get the picture <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely and you 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 know you've talked about how you played a lot of, uh, of sports and growing up and then in high school and then you pretty much found that you were like a natural born athlete very fast about your like sophomore junior year of high school was there a realization there of like, hey, I can do this in college? Was that something that like grew on you? Or was it something that was like, hey, I want to use this to get into the best school possible that I can? A little bit of both, to be honest. So yeah, my high school experience was a little bit unique in that I basically didn't know that I was fast, like a fast runner right. until I was uh, like sophomore in high school. Like it's funny because I ended up being like that was kind of what that was my biggest strength in baseball and I played center field. So, but it was funny because sophomore year I was playing football and I, I think I went through sort of a growth spurt and just, I wasn't, I was fast when I was young, but then not really in middle school. And so there was like five kids. They wanted to see who the fastest kid on the football team was. And I wasn't even a part of that race. I didn't even like volunteer to be a part of it. And then fast forward, like a year later going into my junior year, I did some, I ran like it's a 60 yard dash is usually the measurement for baseball. Right. And for anyone familiar, it's, it's probably tough to know what a good 60 yard dash is, but I ran like a six, five 60, which is probably <laughs> equivalent to, I don't know, like a four, five, four, six, right. 40 when I was, that was when I was you know 16 and it was hand timed and everything. So it's not going to be, it's not like Olympic timers. So don't, right, we're like, not asking for your so combine times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. But it made me realize and everyone there was like, holy shit, dude, you're incredibly fast. And I was like, right. oh really? And they were like, yeah, like you could, if, if you do decently well at baseball, like you could definitely go to college for it. And I had never in my life thought about playing a sport in college until pretty much that day that I realized that was a part of it. And I had always been a good baseball player growing up, like pretty good hitter, pretty good fielder. Um, but then it was, yeah, finding basically discovering out of nowhere <laughs> that I was, that I happened to be fast. Right. Um, that, that is what kind of propelled me and, and allowed me to stand out at all of the, um, like, uh, tournaments and, and whatnot for, for baseball. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and so you've been very open about this in the content that you've created, but about the topic of social anxiety during those high school years. Can you talk about what that social anxiety looks like? Maybe people who don't know what that is and don't even know that they're going through social anxiety, what that looks like and how you were able to, I don't want to say overcome it because then I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like, I guess, process through those high school years with that social anxiety. Yeah, for sure. And I'm careful when I discuss this topic because I understand there is a difference between like diagnosed anxiety and kind of just like feelings of nervousness and and worry. And I was never diagnosed. I never took anxiety medication or antidepressant type stuff, but it did manifest in such a strong way that I was, and how it worked for me was basically, I was so worried about what everyone thought of me and like everyone's perception of Andrew and how they perceived this idea of me that I've, that I've come to now, but I was so concerned with it that it wasn't that I wanted everyone to like me. It was that I was wanted no one to not like me. And so the way my mind kind of manufactured that process was, okay, well, if you just don't put yourself out there, don't express yourself, if you're super quiet and never really say that much, no one can have a negative opinion on you. They're not going to have a super positive opinion on you, but at least they won't have the negative opinion. They'll just kind of be like, oh yeah, Andrew, he's a, he's a nice guy. He's fairly quiet, just nothing to, nothing bad to say. That's sort of how it worked in my head. And then kind of going off that, because, you know, having that view of, well, if no one doesn't not, if no, if no one thinks of me negatively, they, they will hopefully think of me in a positive light, but then kind of coupling that with sports, right? Like for me, when I was getting recruited for swimming, I was under the, like, I had more of the social anxiety of like, well, all my peers are going to like Cal Stanford and, and like swimming into like PAC 12 schools. And like, I knew I wasn't fast enough to do that, but like, I still wanted to be respected. So I still wanted to go D1. Like that was my kind of like performance anxiety, I guess, from that. But did you, how did that couple with playing sports? Like, was this, was the anxiety more from a, like what my classmates, what my, what my teachers think of me, or was it also like too sports driven? Yeah. So it definitely trickled into sports, uh, not as much in how people thought of me, but just like fear of failure and extreme nerves, especially with a sport like baseball, it's, it's a serious mental game. And so the process with that was like early on in high school, I, I was pretty good. And then I got pulled up to like varsity going into my junior year. And I just started developing like a lot of nerves about just the situation and fear of not doing well, fear of not performing well. And it wasn't until, so I ended up doing actually just real quick. I did two junior years. I ended up going to a boarding school my second junior year um, in Connecticut. Uh, It's just, I I knew I wanted to be somewhere on the East coast for college and it just helped with recruiting. But anyway, so leading up to, so after that second junior year, um, going into my senior year, that's kind of like the main recruiting summer for, for college baseball. And that summer, just something, something clicked and it was actually, no, I don't know what clicked. I was not enjoying baseball at this boarding school. I just wasn't really crazy about it. There was a lot of things going on. I was a little bit homesick. I was just, you know, worried. It was a very good team and I would play some, but like not all the time. And then I got hurt. And then it was just like this whole mental circus. And Mm. so I started thinking because I knew that I was fast. I was like, why don't I try doing track? Like there's not as much pressure in track. It's more of a, like a single person sport for the most part. And so I actually did that that summer, uh, when I was back in Minnesota between junior senior year, I was on a club summer track team. I forget about this sometimes. And I did pretty well. And I was like getting, doing really well in, in like some higher level, tournaments and and things like that or whatever the track meets are um doing like 100 meter dash and then like four by 100 relay were the main things I did and I was doing well enough where if I probably stuck with it I could have maybe gone d3 or something I don't know if I would have been able to do d1 with just having started there's a lot of technical aspects to it too and so that actually helped me a lot with baseball because I didn't care 
about what happened with baseball. It was that sort of feeling where the less you care about the outcome of a situation, the better you do because you're fully focused on the doing as opposed to half focused on the doing and half focused on the outcome. That's just kind of how it works. So I had like no fucks given attitude (laughs) that whole summer when it came to baseball and I, it was the best I'd ever played. And it just came so easily because I did not care how I did. There was no fear whatsoever because I was so ready to, to quit basically. And yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, it's funny how sometimes it's like at the breaking point of, of, of that, that you just say like, you know what, screw it. Like whatever happens, happens. And then you turn out like, Oh, Hey, like things are working out here. It's, it's, it's a, it's a funny little story there. And, and I, and I heard kind of how the story goes, you committed to UPenn while sitting in a Brown university dorm room. I feel like that is the most like sacrilegious thing in any (laughs) order, any sort of like Ivy league. I feel like you'd be blacklisted from every Ivy if they heard this whole story. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it is actually kind of a funny story. So that summer when I was playing really well, I actually went to a, I had a tournament. It was a big tournament down in Georgia. I played really well. And the Penn coach was who ended up being my head coach for four years. Uh, John Yurkow is his name. He saw me and was kind of following me. He knew he wanted an outfielder. And so I knew there was a good chance that he was going to give me an offer, but he didn't during that tournament. So I had a bunch of stuff scheduled and I had um, this thing at, at Brown. Uh, I forget what it was even called. It wasn't a tournament, but it was a uh, showcase is what mm-hmm. they call them. And so there was a bunch of other college coaches, probably like 10 um, East Northeast coaches, some Ivy league coaches. And so I played very well there. And uh, yeah, so they were showing some interest, but like no one was really taught. None of the coaches were really talking to me. I don't know if it's like a psychological thing where they don't want to talk to kids too early or something. I I feel like you're right. (laughs) Yeah. But it was a three day camp. And on after the second day at night, um, I got a call from the coach at Penn and he was like, Hey, Andrew, I, uh, and I had already visited, I had, I'd seen the school and just loved the campus, loved everything about it. And so I knew like, if he gives me a call, I'm going to say yes. And so he called, gave me an offer. I was literally sitting in bed in a Brown dorm room and like my roommate, actually, I, we still follow each other on, uh, on social media. He's a powerlifter and powerlifting coach. His name's Sean Noriega. So we've kept in touch. And that was from like almost 10 years ago now. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, so he was there too. And yeah, I, I was like, yes, I'm in, etc. And I was like, dude, I just committed to 10. He's like, dude, that's <laughs> fucking hilarious. And, uh, and yeah, so then the next day we had another day of the camp and I right. still, went and I just like, I hit like a home run, had a right. double, just like <laughs> stealing bases left and right. And so all the coaches were talking to me that day and I didn't say anything. And some of the kids found out that I had committed, but like no one is obviously telling any coaches. And right. then, yeah, the Brown coaches found out apparently, and they still didn't say anything specifically to me that weekend. They found out like a month ago that I committed to Penn at their camp and they left me a voice message on my home phone, not even my mobile phone. And they were like, Hey, Andrew, we found out you committed to Penn, blah, blah, blah. And they were like mad. And I was like, oh I didn't God. respond. I was just like, what the, what yeah, the hell? That, that, was oh, that was the worst, the worst part of the whole recruiting process. I mean, I, maybe not the worst, but the one thing that like, I always like, I was regretting doing was telling the coach, the other coach, no, like that was like the one thing I was never looking forward to. My dad was always telling me like, you have to, like, you have to do it. Like you have to tell him over the phone. Like, don't just write a, like a BS email and be like, thanks for everything, but no thanks. And I just remember like, like the, the sound of disappointment in their voice was always just like, Oh, but it, yeah. it, it shouldn't matter. Like you're going to the school you want to go to. So like, why, who cares? Right. Like who yeah. should care about this? Exactly. But it was always it, something that I was like, uh, dreading for sure. <laughs> yeah. It happened. It happens all the time too. They're so used to it, but I only had, I was talking to maybe like five or 10 coaches at the time, but I only had gotten one other offer at that point. Cause it was still fairly early in the summer. It was the Fordham head coach, which I was mm. pretty interested in that too. And they actually do offer athletic scholarships on like, right any of the Ivy league schools. So that was cool too. But yeah, so he was the only guy I had to call and I called him and just let him know. And just like, yeah, it is, it is what it is. So. I love it. I love it. Anyways. So you, you go on to graduate uh, with a degree in economics, you move to New York city and start working for a, a digital media consultancy in the fall of 2018. Where did the posting and like the creating of your own content start and become more comfortable for you to post this and, and see 
you know, what we're seeing on your page today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not for a while after that. So I I've been, I'm still at this job, actually. I've been here for three and a half years now. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Been able to move up a little bit. It's not too crazy where I'm able to kind of do both. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I actually, I've always been interested in, you know, mental health stuff, sort of meditation, spiritual related stuff, and then fitness and nutrition and kind of all different sorts of things. And so I remember some of my friends actually mentioning to me, like while I was at work, it was some of my work friends. They were like, Andrew, when are you going to become an influencer? And this was like a year before I ever started posting. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. But it was always this fear of judgment and fear of failure and just how people were going to perceive me kind of like I always used to have, but just on a like I had gotten over that in my interpersonal relationships, but then putting myself out there on social media and like turning the camera around and speaking into the camera is like, you know, that's a whole nother level. And so that process actually started with um, this thing. I've made a video about it before, but it's this scenario I would imagine pretty much every morning is part of my morning meditation routine of imagining being a hundred years old, like being old wrinkly on my deathbed, essentially, and really feeling that like feeling like I am in that situation and thinking back on my life and thinking about what I regret about my life. And every single day for, I don't know if it was a year, year and a half, two years leading up to before ever posting content, that regret was not creating content. That was the thing that came up every day. I didn't know why there wasn't really a great reason why it did, but it did every single day. And then finally there came a day where I was like, I I've been thinking about this for over a year now and yeah, it's scary. Yeah. I'm I'm nervous, but I know I'm going to regret it. And I know that regret will hurt way more than any individual judgment I will ever receive in the moment. And Mm -hmm. it's all fleeting anyway. So like, screw it. I got to do it. And I started. I love that. And you know, on this show, we've talked about like, more so rather than the internal regret of like, you know, kind of picturing life down the line and never being, never doing it. That's kind of the regret, but also to like the internal conversations that you have with yourself about what is, what are people going to think when I start posting or what, what is, what's the view of me going to be? And especially coming from your side as the quiet kid from high school, did you ever have that? Like, well, like, what are all my high, old high school friends going to think? Like, I was the quiet kid. Like, did, did those ever kind of come up in your brain when you are like, okay, I'm going to do it now. But was there ever that, like, hesitation of, but what is everyone going to think about me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's basically what stopped me from doing it for so many years after knowing that I wanted to. And there were a few stages throughout my life where I, I realized, like, how silly it is to live your life based on everyone else's opinion and what everyone else thinks of you. And there was kind of a stark realization I had uh, between my junior and senior year of college where I had this, uh, it was like a summer real estate project my cousin and I were working on. Um, Basically, I I won't get too into it. It was like not a super typical like corporate internship. Basically, Mm -hmm. I'll leave it at that. Like most of my friends had, they were like, in Manhattan. So I was in New Jersey, I was playing summer baseball on the side and then, and then uh, had this thing my cousin and I were doing. And it's, it's kind of a strange thing, but it always bothered me that I couldn't when someone asked me what I was doing over the summer, I couldn't just say like, Oh, I'm working at X company doing X. And for whatever reason, it was like this strange and some people might be able to resonate with that just just being able to like, say it and people move on. And that's it. Meanwhile, So in my head, I'm thinking like, fuck, I have to explain this again. Like, (laughs) uh, like this sucks. Like, what are they going to think? Like, are they going to think it's weird that I'm doing this and all these things? And, and I realized one day, like, why do I like, it was just like, why do I care so much? Like they have their whole entire life where they have all this stuff going on. I have my whole entire life with all this stuff going on. Why do I care what they think of all my stuff going on in my own life? Like there, there shouldn't be any thing that they think that dictates how I live my life and it hit me and so after that it it was a lot more clear to me and and things got a little bit easier I stopped caring so much up until that point there was still a very strong part of me that cared a lot even though it wasn't as bad as in high school it kind of naturally got better through college and then 
yeah and and that was a stark realization and then yeah and then finally getting over the hurdle with posting content was kind of like the the final frontier in that <laughs> sense <laughs> no i i i love that story because i feel like that's a lot of the case for content creators that are that's their full-time job like having to explain to somebody that you know like isn't a millennial or just isn't of the like idea that you can make this a career like having to like get down to the nitty gritty like I almost feel like sometimes like this isn't my full-time job but when I do talk about my podcast they're like well do you monetize it do you like how do you make money off it how do you get your guests and I'm like like do we need to like are you asking for like excel spreadsheets like it's like I've tried to like like comedically think of it like that because like who cares right like I can tell you it's a great show I have incredible guests I love these conversations and and if you want to listen to it please do so but like I don't need this isn't a, like I'm not this isn't a formal business plan is it <laughs> you know what I mean like this isn't what, what are we doing here you know like so I just think like sometimes you just go you know what like whatever you want to listen to it great you don't know I don't know <laughs> Yeah, it's like, are you are you trying to invest or like what, what's going on here? Yeah, for right, sure. Like, like even even now, like I'll I'll tell some people like, yeah, most of the time I'm just like they're like, what's your job? I'm like digital advertising, and that's all I say. And sometimes, like given the audience, I'll be like, and I do some content stuff on the side, and they're like, they're always super interested in that. And I feel like now with the stage I'm at, like inevitably I'm going to shift away from my day job and just move into this full time. There's some things in the works that, you know, and, and just having more time to do it too. Like I love doing this stuff so much more than I, than I like my day job. Like it's fine. I don't hate my job by any means or else I would have quit by now, but Mm. it's, I'm not passionate about it in that way, but yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to the day that someone asks and I'm able to say something like, and just like kind of make stuff up about it. Like, oh, I uh, film videos talking into a phone. Like, just say that for what just I do. Bring it to the simplest form. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I love that. So, all right. I want to get into some some deeper topics here with you. Can you dive deeper into the idea of I am not my mind or to I am not who I think I am, but rather the awareness of who I think I am? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give some background on that sort of initial realization that I had. So the I've talked about this in my earlier videos, but quite frankly, it never it never hit me the way that it did uh, this past summer in July. So I was having just like a tougher week. I was I was going through some personal stuff, like a lot of intrusive thoughts. And mm-hmm. it was to the point that usually I'll have like a down day, maybe two, and I'm just like, it'll pass. I'm chilling. It's fine. Like but this lasted for like a week. It was, it was very strange. And, and so I was in New York. I, I didn't have my part. I was in between apartments during COVID. I lived at my parents' place for a little bit and I moved back in September. So I, I was staying at Airbnb or with friends. I forget which it was at the, at the time, but um, yeah, so I, I was just having a tougher week and I don't rely on identity based practices anymore as much like I don't really go through um direct gratitude or positivity affirmations anymore but at the time I was and I was kind of going through my whole like the gauntlet of things I usually did like I was meditating I was accepting how I was feeling I was going through gratitude and like nothing was working right I, I kept just like not feeling great and so I was listening to actually one of Eckhart Tolle's audiobooks called Stillness Speaks. And I've listened to those like a bunch of times, but one of the lines hit me in a way that hadn't before. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was about the idea that your past is a figment of your imagination. Like essentially your past doesn't exist. And in that moment, I was able to have this sort of moment of clarity and see that I don't actually have a past. And then I imagined for a second, what if I didn't have a past? Like, what if I actually just literally had no past, like no experiences up until right now, like the past didn't exist. I didn't have a past. And I was just aware right now I was walking through Madison square park in Manhattan and it hit me like, Oh man, that 
that feels, that feels really good. Cause everything I was worrying about was things that happened in the past that I was afraid of happening again in the future, but it had nothing to do with the moment. It was a sunny day in July in New York, probably 80 degrees, super nice out. I had just wearing a t-shirt really nice out or really muggy out come on on. (laughs) a little bit muggy i I wouldn't mind a day like that right now um yeah exactly (laughs) but yeah so so it hit me and i was like wow that that does feel really good and i kind Mm. of stayed with that for a little and i'm like i i really am just just aware i'm just aware here and now and then i went a little bit deeper and i was like well if i don't have a past and then am i andrew and i forget exactly how i got to that point but it was like it was seeing more clearly that Andrew because I was it was almost like my sense of self kind of diminished for a second when I realized I didn't have a past and I was just walking around like aware of what is here and now like fully aware wasn't really thinking of anything I was like well the idea of Andrew is nothing more than the past like Andrew the idea is just a bundle of past experiences situations accomplishments like everything in my life leading up to right now, but I am right now. And there isn't this sort of overlap between right now and the past. Like they are, they are separate and the past only exists inside of my mind, but right now exists in reality. So I realized, well, if I'm not the past and Andrew is only the past, then maybe I'm not Andrew. And if I am thinking something or worrying about something, I'm aware that I'm that that Andrew is worrying about that thing. And I was able to create this sort of like slight separation between me and Andrew. And it was, it was all that I needed to. And from that point, like my entire life sort of changed and a lot has happened since then, but that was kind of the initial realization. I, I think that, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy realization and I I know people are going to listen to this and maybe be like, you lost me there. And I, and, and, but like, you got me, I get it. Um, I think back to like conversations that you have with yourself about something that, whether it's like something that happened literally like 10, 15 minutes before you're thinking about it or something where you're like, man, remember that argument or remember that thing that I had years ago? I just, I, now I know how I totally would have done that. Or now I know how I totally would have responded to that. And it's like, why does that matter? Like, why is that consuming your thoughts right now? Like, it's so over and done with. So much has happened since then. And life has just gone on. So like, that, like when I heard you talk about that in your content, that's what I thought of, of like, like those thoughts you get in the shower where you're like, I was in this fight and I totally could have said this and I totally would have, and I totally would have been better and I totally would have gone my way, but like none of that should matter. And it, it's so ridiculous that that consumes our thoughts, whether it be in the shower or the whole day or the whole week or whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how often it happens in the shower too. Cause it's like, <laughs> that's when your mind is just able to kind of run. Cause it's such, such a routine based thing that you're, you're able to get away from that. But what I will say is, is since then, like this, this thing that I'm talking about right now of just understanding that you are not your thoughts, you are not what you think you are, what you think you are is just more thoughts and mm-hmm. reality isn't words like the word, a, a tree isn't the word tree. So when I talk about this stuff, it, it, it can be difficult to express in words because it isn't words. But right. what I will say is these things while at this on the surface, it may seem kind of like crazy and unattainable to think that you can't you don't have thoughts running through your head but it is a practice and the more you question that and the more you understand that your thoughts are not the truth and realize that you don't have to take them seriously and while it may not be because at first your mind hears that and they're like f you yeah i can take these you you have to take these seriously what are you talking about so it's your mind telling you that you have to and I think there's an Einstein quote that problems of the mind or problems of the mind can't be solved at the level of the mind or something along those lines, like problems of consciousness can't be solved at the same level of consciousness that they were created on something like that. And, and so going through that sort of practice and just like every single moment, realizing that your thoughts and perceptions about yourself and about the situation at hand are not the truth. And so you don't have to take them seriously. And the less seriously you take them, the less seriously, you will take them. And it's sort of this process that that snowballs and is exponential to the point that now there's times where I'll be walking down the street and 
catch myself like, holy shit, I'm not thinking anything right now. I'm just like, the only thoughts that are coming into my head are things like in my purview, like right. in the environment, like, oh, that's a, that's a cool car or that person has a cool outfit, something like that. It's not yeah. like about this idea of me in the past and the future. We're going to take a quick break from this week's episode to talk about our brand new sponsors and a long time coming with TYR. Guys, I've been a part of the swimming community for gosh knows how long. I've been retired for just about three years, but I'm going back in with my friends over at TYR. That's right. TYR has everything you need from swimming to try to anything from biking, running, you name it. Tier or TYR has got you hooked up. They got a brand new spring collection coming out, and I'm going to hook you guys up. That's right. I'm going to get you 10% off at checkout with the code Jared, J-E-R-O-D-I-G, 10 off. That's right. Jared, J-E-R-O-D-I-G, as in Instagram, 10 off. Going to get you 10% off at checkout with their brand new spring collection. So if you're a swimmer, I know I have swimmers listening to this show, biker, uh, triathlete, whatever it may be, head over to TYR, check out their brand new spring collection. And now back to the interview. Yeah. And, and then kind of going off that, like with this idea of like, I am not Andrew, but I am me or I am not Jared, but I am me. Like I am me. Is it like, there's a lot of spirituality linked to that, right? Like how did this kind of, where did this gravitation towards spirituality come from? Did it come naturally or did, how did it find its way to Andrew? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's been a process for sure. Uh, what I will say about that and, and that kind of ties into how we're the same thing is like, I am the awareness of the universe. You are the awareness of the universe. We just have names out of convenience. So if you have a crowd of people and you want to like call out to one person, you use their name and they turn around. Not everyone else does. If we didn't have names, be like, Hey, you, hundred people would turn around like that's not very convenient so our names we are not our names we are not these ideas that we have been portrayed as or have been conditioned into believing we are like growing up we are told that you know you are andrew you have strengths and weaknesses blah 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 it's like you are nothing more than right now you don't have strengths and weaknesses in my opinion you are what is right now so there aren't strengths and weaknesses because that's still a part of the idea of you and that is all rooted in the past but in terms of getting into spirituality um it started with uh the power of now by Eckhart Tolle that was one of the first sort of spiritual books that I read and it really allowed me to see I think before that point like I didn't really understand what the present was and then after that it was like a pretty long process of like four years before I realized that like I am the present it's not just like that's all that exists and then i am andrew that is separate from the present it's like mm. i am here and now all the time but yeah it started with that and then another book kind of got me into more meditation practices um although i don't uh prescribe to meditation consistently like i was i think i've gotten to a point now um not to say i'm like i i don't want it to seem like i'm too good for meditation or something but (laughs) like that's not what i'm saying and i'm not anti-meditation in any way whatsoever like i think it's a super useful tool but for me personally it was getting to a point where i did it pretty much every day for like three years in the morning for 10 to 20 minutes and it was just becoming sort of like part of my to-do list like something i had to check off and it wasn't as much this sort of practice and i was seeing it as more of like oh, that's just 10 minutes where I'm sitting with my eyes closed. Like, whereas I was able to go throughout my day and kind of catch myself when I got into a certain thought pattern and, and realize those things in real time. So it was almost like life became a sort of meditation for me. Whereas now here and there, every couple of weeks, I'll sit down sometimes and just kind of sit there. But a lot of times when I do, like there aren't that many thoughts coming up and I'm like, I could probably do something more productive than sitting here with my eyes closed right now. Right. Um, so yeah, but that was kind of the lead up into my situation. I like that. And a- another topic that I wanted to bring up is this issue or the issue of I should and or I need to do something, right? I need to be in a relationship. I need to be engaged by 26 and gate, whatever it is. Because I feel like we're both at the age of our lives where we're seeing many of our friends or peers, whether it be on social media or whatever, doing the things that make us think, right? That we need to be doing that as well. Getting engaged, getting married, but even simpler, like buying a new car or getting the second job, right? Like, cause you both, you and I are at the job we started at, like we obviously have progressed, but you know, we're at the same company. And I feel like a lot of times, like at the three-year mark, everyone's like, well, you haven't left yet. And I'm like, 
why, why do I have to leave? Like, what is <laughs> anyways, but going back to this issue of like, how, how do you help pivot from that's not the issue is that you, you don't have those things yet, but it's, you think that you should be having those things right now. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is a lot of times suffering comes back to thinking that things should be at all different than they are right now. Like things are what they are right now. Like it's impossible to change the way things are right now. It doesn't mean that you can't work towards change right now by doing things right now, because it's always right now, but thinking that they should be at all different than they are right now is usually what causes suffering. And it's unnecessary layering on of a situation. And then what I'll say about the other part about like should and need is that it's just, I think the understanding that like everything is made up, like everything in society is completely made up. Like even down to, you know, going to school until you're 18 to 22 is made up. Like we're just chilling on earth, kind of like that floating rock mentality. Like (laughs) we're on a floating rock. We don't know why we don't know for how long. So just do your best to enjoy it. That sort of thing. Yeah. Like that's a lot of what it comes down to is like in my understanding and, and people may not have the same thoughts about everything, but you know, the universe started from big bang this universe started probably there was another universe had a black hole it was like the end of that universe turned into on the other side was the big bang of this universe over time rocks formed earth formed somehow mycelium was able to grow within the earth things bloomed out of it single cell life forms multi-cell life forms evolution 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 got to humans now we're just we're just chilling on this on this earth and everything is made up, like all of the societal expectations, even the idea of having kids, the idea that you have to go to school is like kind of required now, but (laughs) it's still like a made up thing, like going to school throughout the day. Technically you can be homeschooled. Like you don't have to go to that, but, but there's just so many things in society that, and I think I don't know. I've only ever lived in America, so I don't know what it's like growing up in another part of the world, but we have kind of this blueprint where we go to school, we go to college, we get a job, another job, another job, another job, make sure we save some money so that we can retire when we're 60, 65. And then we don't do any work whatsoever. We just do whatever on the savings that we were able to save up from a lot of times doing a job we didn't enjoy. And then we die. And that's kind of like the blueprint that's been created. And along the way, there are like many blueprints throughout that, but like, it's all made up. Like it's all completely made up. And there are a lot of societal pressures to do certain things. But at the end of the day, understanding that people really only care about themselves. Like people rarely spend very much time thinking about other people, like throughout your day, especially if you're a relatively busy person, like you just don't have the time to spend very much time. Maybe you have a passing judgment of someone who's wearing something kind of funky on the street. You're like, Oh, that's interesting. And then you immediately, as soon as you pass them, you've completely forgotten about them. And that is so common. Like people, even people who think about people like a lot, it's probably still when you really break it down, like 1% of their day, maybe a half percent of their day max So people just don't really think about other people. That was something that helped me a lot when it came to putting myself out there, creating content, just kind of like, I don't really have any hesitation with things that I post anymore, but getting over that hurdle of having any sort of hesitation of what someone's going to think of it. It's like, oh yeah, they're not going to think about it really. They're not really (laughs) thinking about me at all, quite frankly. And so it, it brings about a lot of freedom and a lot of peace for sure. Yeah. And especially going back to your point just there about like posting the content like with something like tiktok like people i mean i don't there's very few videos that i remember because of the constant stream of of content like it's just it's just and if you don't if you don't like the first 15 seconds of it it's on to the next thing you know what i mean so but like what i love about your point is i i think the at least from my opinion like the the scary part of the blueprint that people are like i have to follow this is like the notion that I won't succeed if I don't follow it. You know what I mean? Of like, 
society only succeed like the reason why these blueprints are in place is because as society we succeed with these blueprints and like i think that can be what's holding people back from doing the even just the simplest things of like starting a podcast or like just going against the grain of something like just you know getting the second job on top of your primary job because that's not on the common blueprint you know what i mean so the like scary part of like not succeeding can be the part that maybe is holding people back from creating a new blueprint yeah yeah and i think as a society it would be nice to sort of redefine success we've settled on this idea of success as being just making a shitload of money with not necessarily doing things you really enjoy and i've contemplated that a lot because i still get caught up in that and there's a part of me that enjoys the security of for example having a full-time job like it's a pretty good paying job. And so to leave that and not be making have that sort of constant security there is a little bit frightening. But yeah, it would be nice in those situations to understand. And I think this is uh, come to mind with me with this sort of situation that I'm in and redefining how I think about even something like retirement, like now, like a lot of people think about retirement is like, they don't really even think about it. They just think about this thing that's long in the future that you know, one day they're going to quit their job and it's going to be when they're like 60 or 65 and then they're going to have X amount saved and they do something like, I don't, I don't see myself enjoying that retirement life of, yeah, me neither. you know, sitting yeah. on a beach or playing golf all day. So why don't I just think of retirement as doing things I enjoy all day? And for example, like this right now, what we're doing, having this conversation, this is something I really enjoy. So, and I have my own podcast. I do my own content stuff. I do all of that. So why don't I just get rid of that whole idea of like that societal blueprint and think about retirement as just doing things I enjoy. And if I can make enough money to cover my expenses and plus a little more, instead of having this mentality of, I need to make a lot more than I need so that when I'm 60, I can use all that money to live. So I don't have to make any money. Why don't right now when I'm 26, 27, 28 and above, like start doing things that I enjoy, figure out ways to make enough money from that, that I can just do both at the same time. Cause then there's nothing that you're longing for in the future because you're living the life that you enjoy right now. So you don't need extra money. And it's kind of like this cycle of understanding and, but it does start with putting yourself out there and without having put myself out there with content stuff, like I would not be in this position. You wouldn't have me on your podcast if I didn't do this or any, anything that I've done every, any amount of following that I have, like it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken that step of putting myself out there. Absolutely. And I think the world is starting to change a little bit the definition of retirement i don't think the world is changing the definition of success unfortunately because like if you think about it the way we we define success currently is well look at the top 10 richest people in in the world and we get this list every freaking week and the second it changes we have a news article about it like it it just blows my mind like i don't care that elon has x more billion than than bezos than you know than gates i don't care i know they're all really rich and that's good for them and sure like maybe one day i could be like that but i like i i think the word retirement is changing because like i've seen people who are like i worked corporate america for 10 years and just i got my bread i made right some right investments and now i get to create content or do what i want to do that makes me happy and i think that is starting to change i don't think the whole definition of success has even remotely thought to be changing at all. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Alan Watts has a quote that I really like. I'll try and remember it properly, but it's, it's something along the lines of this where it's, it's interesting how people make money doing things they don't enjoy, which is to say, continue living a life they don't enjoy. So they keep making, and yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, but it's like basically (laughs) interesting how people do things they don't enjoy to make money, to keep living a life that they don't enjoy because their life is the doing of the things that they don't enjoy every single day. So why, like, it, it just doesn't really make very much sense when you really get into it. So, but yeah, again, it comes back to taking the risk and putting yourself out there and I get questions about like people just randomly comment, like, should I quit my job? And I'm like, all right, well, 
I need a lot more context than that if you want <laughs> like a, a well thought out response. But yeah. a lot of times when people do ask that, I'm like, well, what are you like? Do you have passions? And sometimes they're like, yeah, I want to do content. And I'm like, well, are you doing content? And like, sometimes they're not. And I'm like, your job isn't taking up, you know, two thirds of your week to the point that you can only sleep and work like you most likely, I mean, maybe a handful of people, but most likely have some free time in there. Like if you are passionate about something, like you will be spending that free time doing that thing. So if you're not doing that thing and just think that you're going to quit your job and then start doing that thing, that might not be the best situation for you. You probably, because you don't even know if you're going to actually love that thing. It, it right. conceptually may seem like this thing that's just better than your job. So then you're you're running away from something instead of running towards something. And I think it's way more important to make sure you're running towards something. So if you do want to quit your job, like start spending your free time doing all this stuff. Like for example, creating content, like start creating a lot of content in your free time. And if that's what you really want to do and you are passionate about it, you will have no issue spending your free time doing it. And then inevitably there will come a point where you realize like, okay, let's make this shift. I do really enjoy this, which is kind of, I'm like preaching myself here kind of, cause that's close <laughs> to the point I'm at, but you know. Yeah, no, I hear Press. you. And like, I was going to say the, the free time thing is such an important thing. Cause I, I've also gotten asked like, how do you balance a full-time job with the podcast for a year or two years, whatever it's been so far. And I think, and not to bring him up again, but I watched Tim's videos and if there's any vid, any like uh, definition of how to spend your free time, it's like that guy has no, what looks like no free time. And if he can sit there and post content, what are we doing? Or you know what I mean? Like what's wrong with working on a Saturday or what's wrong with doing a podcast episode in, until 10 o'clock at night? I'm not saying that's what we're doing, but you know what I mean? It's just like the, you have a lot more free time than you think you do, especially if you just put your phone in another room for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about like just finding that balance and that means different things for different people. Some, some people, it means that having an entire day that's free. Some people, it means having like X amount of hours in each day that's free. Like it's going to totally differ depending on everyone's personal situation. And it's like the same thing with success and, and any sort of thing that we define as a society and have this sort of normalized idea of is not a one size fits all. Like it never is how you spend your time, like what you do on the weekends, like any of that stuff, how your definition of success, your definition of retirement, your definition of how much your expenses are and how much money you actually need each month. Like maybe taking some time to figure that out could be beneficial, but we have every single one of those categories. We have a normalized sort of like cookie cutter approach to it. And there's so much pressure in our society to fit, you know, square pegs into round holes in that right. way. And that's just not how we are. We're all very unique individual people. We are all the same thing, but we all have different experiences and different preferences and, and whether or not they're molded by those experiences is up for debate. But regardless, we're not, we're not, we don't all have to have this same idea. And I think understanding that more clearly paired with the understanding that no one really gives a shit what you do outside of yourself can help a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Another topic that you cover a lot on your page, and I think many people are afraid to talk about just given the inherent nature is death. Where did this fascination of death come from? And what kind of like, how did this, what, how did this happen for you? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was, this was like the one topic where I was like, it can go one of two ways or one of a hundred <laughs> ways. I don't know, but I want, I do want to talk about this because I, I am fascinated with your content because on this topic specifically, because I, I don't think anyone else is talking about it the way that you are. Um, oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, nothing's really off limits for me. So feel free <laughs> to bring up like literally anything you want. Um, I may or may not answer everything, but right. <laughs> certainly feel free to bring it up. But yeah. So when it comes to death, um, my perspective on that is actually shifting because I don't really fear death the way that I used to. And I think initially with my content and a lot of my early videos, it was a lot of like, and I still post it sometimes, but I'm kind of shifting away from that idea of just like, you know, you're going to die. So I think there's, there's levels to all of this in life, but preaching to people that you're going to die. And so like, 
for example, a video I would make is like, you're going to die. You don't know when you're worried about what people think of you. Like no one's going to remember who you are. Like none of this matters. So like, but you still care so much and it's leading to a lot of unhappiness. So that was sort of the reasoning for posting those sorts of things. And that was something that helped me a lot was understanding that, you know, I am going to die one day and all these people I'm so concerned about judging me they're not going to be around me on my deathbed. Like they're, I'm probably not even going to keep in touch with 90% of them within the next few years. So like, why do I care so much what they think of me? And that helped me for a long time. And I think now that I'm shifting away from sort of like just personally, which is always reflected in my content, like everything that I'm going through personally is pretty reflected in my content simultaneously. Like, I don't know for someone, if they literally scrolled through all my videos, they could see sort of like the ebbs and flows of things. So as I am shifting away from identity driven behavior to kind of make myself feel better and and shifting more towards the understanding that your identity is always the root of your suffering. It's the root of your fears. Like it's difficult to come up with anything that you're afraid of or worried about that doesn't have to do with this idea of you, which is an illusion. It's it's a very strong and, and sturdy and, and very real seeming illusion. But right. anything that you do, any type of thought process that you have that reinforces that illusion of identity is reinforcing that exact thing that inevitably leads to fear and, and worry and things like that. So if you are able to see yourself as something either deeper or just sort of like transcend that idea of identity and understand that you are not this character that you have been conditioned into believing that you are. You are what is. You are the awareness of the universe here and now. You are all as the present. So there isn't death for you because you are the universe experiencing itself in that way. So I have shifted more towards like I, and I'm not going to, come on here and say that I'm like not afraid of death whatsoever. Like if someone came into my apartment right now with a knife and they're like, I'm going to kill you. Like I'd shit my pants, but, (laughs) but it's like, it, it, it's not as strong of a fear as it used to be because quite frankly, like I sometimes forget that I am this idea of Andrew. Like I forget that when people see me, they see this character, this, this idea, this personality, in a way they don't see that I am them. Like when I see people in New York now, like I see like, Hey, I am you, like you are another incarnation of me, not me as Andrew, but me as the universe experiencing itself. So through that understanding, the idea of death as death to me as Andrew, which I now understand is an illusion, just kind of naturally subsides in a way through that understanding. Yeah, I I was going to say kind of just to piggyback off your point is like watching your content about death has definitely made me less scared of it. But to your point, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I am Iron Man. No, uh, you know, like I, 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 I'm like, to your point, there's still that sort of fear of it. But like, if we look at it, like, it's just the end of this story, and maybe the, the beginning of another in that sort of spiritual way, then it's a lot less of a scary moment. And I kind of go back to, to your, like your point of like envision yourself as the hundred year old laying on their, on, you know, wrinkly and old and laying under deathbed, just be happy with what, what you've done to that point. And it won't be as scary anymore. I, I that, like kind of to, to use a different sort of way of looking at death is like, look at it as the celebration of what you did here on this earth with the time that you had, I think is, is an also a very important thing too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's when you when you're able to take some time, and I don't know if you've ever gotten into psychedelics at all, but that can help sort of peel back some some of these layers and judgments and perceptions. And when you're able to see things more clearly for what they are, like being on Earth as this human is like pretty crazy. It's like a pretty wild trippy I, like experience. doesn't gary v say like you had like a point zero 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 one percent chance of being a human so take advantage yeah. of it or something like that yeah, yeah it's like it's like one in four trillion he says right. or something i'm a huge gary v fan too yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if you are yeah absolutely but, um, yeah. yeah so when you really take a step back and kind of set aside your idea of self and all of the conditioning and you know problems that come with that with your whole life situation 
and you're able to just see things a little bit more clearly and see that like, oh, wow, this is, I'm just a part of this big happening. And I, I don't have a past or a future. Like I can't actually do anything or have any influence whatsoever outside of here and now. And yet I'm always caught up in things outside of here and now. And when you're able to more clearly ground yourself and just go on a walk in nature, for example, and see like birds flying through the air and flowers blooming and the wind blowing through the trees, like the, the trees are moving, like yes. it's, and I don't want to get all like, you know, <laughs> woo woo and, and yeah, like, hippy dippy, <laughs> hippy dippy. Exactly. But like, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. And we're able yeah. to, you know, communicate with each other right now, like being, <laughs> these are like all sort of trippy thoughts I've had in the past. No, and I, I don't need to get too into no, them, I've... but it, it, yeah. When you're able to see things, see things beyond your individual judgments and perceptions for the way that you think things are, or think things should be, or anything like that, things become a lot clearer. And there's just this natural sort of appreciation that comes with it. And there's a lot less fear because you see that nothing could really go wrong, especially when you're able to set aside your idea of yourself. There are just things happening that you have some influence over. I'm not going to say control because control is outcome-based. And I think control is an illusion. Control of a situation is, is a total illusion, but you do have influence. You do have the capability of doing things, but it's only ever right now. So when you're right. able to grasp that, um, a lot of those fears and worries, anxieties, things like that kind of just naturally begin to go away as you remind yourself of all of that. Yeah, I I was gonna say I haven't div, uh, dove into psychedelics before, but I feel like with this conversation, I feel like I was on my first little trip here. Like honestly, <laughs> no, I this is I I love all these points, and I I appreciate you kind of diving into these because from a surface, like I can see sometimes if people were to consume this type of content, they're like like okay, this person's way in over their head, or like it, you know, like I that's why part of the reason why I wanted you to come on the show is because what you can say in three minutes is, is incredible, but I wanted to open that up a little bit more. I wanted to, to peel back the onion a little bit, but so I appreciate everything that you've, you've said so far. We have gotten to the point of the show though, where I want to let you ask me anything. And I, so we started this, this portion of the show this year. And I would say up to this point, this is probably the most nervous I've been for someone to ask me a question. So I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. So Andrew, you are free to ask me anything that you'd like here. <laughs> Awesome. All right. I got one prepared. Um, so this is something I talk about in my videos, the idea that there is no good or bad and, and wasting time, you know, judging individual situations as good or bad is just kind of a waste of time and energy because quite frankly, you can't see the bigger picture. Right. So I'm curious for you, if you have ever had a situation that in the moment seemed like this horrible, catastrophic, really quote unquote, bad thing that ended up taking you down a path or leading to another situation that ended up actually being really good or like a failure that led to a success, something along those lines. Yeah. Oh man. There's a couple. And like the cliche one was uh, like my twin brother getting on varsity swimming and I got on JV my freshman year, but that one's, that's stupid. I don't want to, I like, I, like I wrote my college essay about that and I'm surprised I even got into college with that one. Cause I'm sure that everyone wrote that essay. That said, I want to, I'll open this up a little bit more. I think the one that kind of comes to mind is, man, I'm going to have to take a second here. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Take your time. Um, I think of like, and this is, this is, I mean, this is now hindsight 2020 and like obviously a lot older from this situation, but when my parents got separated, when I was like six years old, like as anyone probably would like that, you feel like that's going to be like the worst thing ever. You know, like some kids will be like, Oh, two Christmases. Like, that's great. But like, for me, I was like, this is going to suck. Um, lo and behold, I like really beat up on myself for like my early childhood for that. Um, like partially blaming myself, obviously, as like a young kid, like you kind of run through that. But I think now, you know, living the life that I have lived and my incredible parents, you know, my mom, my, my dad and my stepmom, who I call my mom and, you know, like just 
kind of like just like life goes on and like to your point what it can be seen as a bad situation at the time like it's wasting time talking about how bad it is is only going to make make matters worse and kind of from our conversation today like being more in the present and just being like the second that that thing happens it's over and done with and your past is like a, a figment of your imagination at that point like that like that has really opened my eyes to kind of think about my childhood and the, my past experience as over and done with. And it's going to take some time, but I like today's conversation is, is definitely, I always say this stupid pun on my show, but it's eye opening for sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I've certainly enjoyed it quite a bit. And yeah, it's, it's interesting when you, when you're at a point in your life that, you know, overall, I'm not, I don't like using the word happy because that's kind of just the feeling, but like, I don't know, in a state of acceptance and just sort of at a state in a state of peace and enthusiasm and all of that. It's, it's interesting because you don't really have any regrets because what would you regret? Because everything leading up to everything that's happened in your life led you to right now. So if, if you are in a place that you're relatively content and at peace, like, there's not really anything to regret in that way. So absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I, no, I appreciate you sharing that. No, well. I appreciate you asking. So we do have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests. And I can't, I can't remember if you ask me what Tim's was, I won't remember, but I will go back and look it up. But if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why this is like going back to your, your question of like, when you're a hundred years old, how do you want, how do you want it to be written about yourself? <laughs> autobiography uh hmm. something something along the lines of like getting myself out of the way something like that like with that idea of self that idea of andrew or like i am not andrew Murnane, something like that that's yeah. like the, that's like the catchiest one probably <laughs> yeah i think i'd go with that one i am not andrew Murnane, written <laughs> written by andrew Murnane. i think one day i don't know so yeah because like especially recently like things have just been been seeing things more clearly and i have an ebook that i wrote that has just like some it's not very long at all it's pretty short um but it has some some like it's a few paragraphs per topic on just expanding on some of the stuff I typically talk about, but yeah, I think writing a book that's more like an autobiography or just something about this idea of yourself being an illusion. I, I think that would be pretty cool. One day. I was going to say very, it'd be very interesting to see the one that, you know, re- that doesn't like to talk about self like that, but write the, uh, write the story about that one self. <laughs> yeah. It would be a whole trippy thing. I'm not <laughs> Andrew Renane written by Andrew Renane talking about himself when he doesn't actually believe he is this human character yeah (laughs) (laughs) it could be a good book it could be a really good book well andrew thank you again man so much for coming on it has been an absolute blast i hope you had just as much fun as i did i definitely want to keep in touch and if you're ever back in the old stomping grounds of boston i know you were here for a small stint but let's let's definitely uh you can you can come over to my tiny little apartment for dinner it's not as cool as tim's but we can make it work (laughs) (laughs) no i appreciate it jared and i had had a blast on here so i'm glad you did as well and yeah thank you so much for having me really appreciate it so a big thank you to andrew renane for coming on this week's show and sharing more about his story for teaching us so many different crazy um ideas and and i don't want to call them crazy like that's a bad thing i think just different ways that people have viewed traditional perspectives and I'm so thankful that we got to have this conversation. So again, thank you, Andrew, for coming on the show. I'll leave links to all things Andrew and his new podcast and his old podcast and everything that Andrew does in the description of this week's podcast. Be sure to go check out um, our Lazy lazy Eye Normal Guy merch, Normal Guy Lazy Eye merch over at the Normal Guy Lazy Eye store. You can get your quarter zips, your sweatshirts, all the things to keep you warm here in these brutal, brutal months of winter. And with spring around the corner, we do have some t-shirts. So go check that out. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Normal Guy Lazy Eyes so you can see clips from this week's episode. That does it for all my shameless plugs. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. Thank you so much for all your support. Thank you to our sponsors over at Tier. You guys are all amazing, and I will see you next week with another episode.